This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. What an honor to be here with you, Pastor Tom, Pastor Bonnie. Thank you for having me today and for your support over these five years of the work we're doing among the Lemba. You, you guys have been incredible, instrumental, uh, many from your church from the choir, doctors, professionals, uh, just servants of God have come and worked with us to reach out to the Lemba tribe. And as Pastor said, uh, DNA testing has showed that there's actually a greater percentage of priests tied to the ancient people of Israel among the Lemba that were tested than in worldwide, the worldwide Jewish community. And uh, 75 congregations in five years, it is a work of God fulfilling his promise to restore the lost sheep of the house of Israel in the latter days. In Romans chapter 11, Paul tells us that, there was a, that there's a blindness covering the eyes of the Jewish people that will remain upon them until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, and then all Israel shall be saved and I believe what God is doing here in Zimbabwe among the Lemba and in Ethiopia among the Beta Israel, the house of Israel, is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy happening before our very eyes. It's very exciting to be part of. And uh, we have the national overseer of the Lemba work here in Zimbabwe, uh, Elpheus Matendu. If you'll stand up, this is Brother Elpheus. He heads up the national work here among the Lemba and is doing an incredible, incredible job. Elpheus, we so appreciate you and your team, your leadership team, uh, that's making such a difference among the Lemba. Well, I have a word that I want to share with you. I, I want to look at a, a parable uh, that Jesus gave us in Luke chapter 13. So if you have a Bible... I want you to open to Luke chapter 13. We're going to look at three verses, verses 18 through 21. And I love this parable. Parables are stories that reveal the unseen through that which is seen. A simple truth that the people that Jesus ministered to could relate to revealed a, an unseen truth of the kingdom of God. Uh, and this is one such parable, Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 18. Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? Verse 19, it is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Verse 20, again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And so here we have this, this parable, this picture of something that the people could relate to, a mustard seed that would grow into a large tree, yeast that would be worked into the dough and caused the the dough to grow. Now to understand this parable, we first have to look at the kingdom of God because Jesus is telling us that this is a 
picture or a, a truth of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? And there's a lot of different definitions when you, when you read about the kingdom of God. You see a lot of different views. The historic church spiritualized the kingdom of God. From the writings of Augustine, the kingdom of God was understood to be a spiritual reality, the city of God with a new Jerusalem that would come down from heaven. So there's a spiritualizing of the kingdom of God in historic Christian thinking. Most think the kingdom of God is future tense. Thy kingdom come sometime in the future. Some understand it to be the millennial reign of Christ according to Revelation chapter 20. That when we pray that for the kingdom of God to come, it's talking about the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ on earth. The Jewish concept of the kingdom of God was the messianic age, or Ganadin in Hebrew, the Garden of Eden restored. You remember that Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, a place of paradise, and in Jewish thought, the world would, would one day be restored to paradise, to a place of complete peace, where there would be no more conflict. We have prophecies all through the Jewish prophets in the Old Testament, like Isaiah 11, where we're told that a day would come when the wolf would lay down with the lamb in peace, where the child would hold a serpent, a, a, a deadly serpent, and would be able to play with that serpent this is the messianic age, Ganadin, the Garden of Eden, the restoration of paradise. In fact, the disciples understood the kingdom to be future tense. They asked Jesus, we see this in Acts chapter 1, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They didn't yet understand God's plan for the redemption of mankind. And Jesus said, it's not for you to know this now, you have a job to do. Go and do it. Even uh, many interpret the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, as we see in the book of Matthew, as heaven. The kingdom of heaven is heaven. It's the place that we're going when we die or when he returns and takes us to be with him. Some interpret the kingdom of God to be the church. The kingdom of God, the church. Now, all of these understandings are partially true. The kingdom is yet to be. The millennial reign of the Messiah, of Christ, is yet to be. The messianic age that the prophets saw and spoke of, where there will be a world of peace, where there's no more sickness and disease, are yet to be. They're all future tense. But I believe that the kingdom of God is not just future tense. It's not just the heaven, heaven or the world to come or the millennium or the messianic age. The kingdom of God, I believe, is also present tense. One amen. Present tense. In other words, not only is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven that which will happen in the future, but the kingdom of heaven is also 
here now among us. Amen. So the kingdom of God is both present tense and future tense. I believe that the best way to understand the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God is the rule of God. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. The kingdom of God is the manifest presence of God. As we worship this morning, Bonnie, that was awesome. We were all commenting among ourselves, that was awesome. What a gift that this church has. Wow, awesome. But it's not just the beautiful pageantry and the beautiful voices of the choir. It was awesome because the manifest presence of God was in our midst and is in our midst. Now, scholars tell us that the, that the, the, the idea that God is everywhere all the time means that he is omnipresent. That's a fancy word, omnipresent, that simply tells us the re biblical reality that God is everywhere all the time. That's mind-blowing. Matt, I think you were, Rabbi Matt Rosenberg, one of our board members, I think you were commenting on that to the Lemba, that God is everywhere all the time. He is omnipresent, and that's, that's a reality. The Bible says where two or three uh, agree together, it is done. Where two, where two or more are gathered in his midst, he's in the midst of us. But folks, there is a difference between the omnipresence of God, the reality that he's everywhere all the time, and the manifest presence of God. Oh, I love the manifest presence of God, where we tangibly experience the living God in our midst. We can feel him, we can taste him, we can, we can see the signs that he is visibly present in our midst. Ooh, I love the manifest presence of God. I believe that the kingdom of God is the manifest presence of God. Now let me give you some scriptures to support this, okay? Everything by the word of God. Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Is at hand. That's Hebrew idiom. It literally means the kingdom of God is here. Present tense. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God is not future. It is here in your midst. Present tense. In Matthew chapter 12 verse 28, Jesus says to the Pharisees and Sadducees, If I cast out demons by the spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come unto you. What tense? Present tense. The kingdom of God is here when you see demons cast out and people set free. In Luke chapter 10 verse 9, speak, Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he tells them when you enter a town, eat what is set before you. We've been doing that, by the way, eating a lot of tzodzeh. I'm getting used to it, but the, it puts on the weight fast. Eat what is put before you. Heal the sick who are there. And tell them that the kingdom of God is near unto you. It's present tense. 
It's near. It's here. It's accessible to you now. In Luke chapter 17, verse 21, Jesus is answering the question of the Pharisees concerning the kingdom of God. And he says this, Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered, The kingdom of God does not come to you with careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Is within you. What tense is that? It's present tense. The kingdom of God is within you now. How many know that? You are the temple of the Spirit of God. He has made a deposit of himself in you now. And it's no longer you that lives. It's Christ, the Messiah, who lives in you now. Have you grasped that reality? Have you grasped that truth? Let me give you one more. When Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's saying, Seek first the rule of God. Seek ye first the reign of God. Seek first the manifest presence of God and everything will be added unto you. There's something about being in the presence of God, in the manifest presence of God, where your needs are met, where the healing flows, where, you, where discouragement turns into encouragement, right? Where depression turns into hope. You go from the flesh where Nothing is right, nothing is good, I'm failing, I can't make it, everything is terrible, into the manifest presence of God where suddenly something changes, doesn't it? Right? That which was impossible becomes possible. That which was hopeless suddenly now becomes hope-filled. Discouragement and unbelief now are replaced by faith. And you see through new eyes. Why? Because God has manifest his presence in your life. That happens to me when I pray in the spirit. I wake up and I say, this, I don't like my house. My wife isn't as beautiful as she used to be. And then I look in the mirror. And I realize, where did my hair go? Oh, no. Oh, it's a bad day. And then, shapakita baso. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I, it be, the, I begin to experience the manifest presence of God as I pray. As I worship him and suddenly I look at my wife and I realize she is a beauty. I don't deserve her. Oh. Somebody send this to my wife. Troy, send that to my wife. I look at my kids and they're wonderful. I look at my house and I say, thank you, Lord, for what you've provided. It's a great day today. Why? Because God has manifest his presence. God's rule, God's reign has come into my life. And now everything is going to be a work out. Everything's great because I'm seeing through the eyes of faith. You know, we need to understand that the reason that heaven is heaven is because the rule and the reign of God 
are present. Where worship has been face to face in heaven, without God present, there is no heaven. I believe hell, very simply, is the absolute and total absence of God's presence. And so there's darkness and there's torment. The kingdom of God, the rule, the reign, the manifest presence of God. And so Jesus tells us that the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the rule of God, the manifest presence of God is like a mustard seed, a tiny mustard seed. That when you plant in the ground becomes this great tree where shelter is provided. Or it's like yeast, a little bit of yeast that you work into a large amount of dough and it expands. The principle that we're being taught here by Jesus is that where God is ruling, where God is reigning, where the God's spirit is manifest and in control, there's always expansion. And if you get this principle, it will change the way that you understand Scripture. It's, it'll give you a new perspective. Wherever the kingdom of God is present, wherever God's Spirit is present, the result is life, growth, expansion. Are you following me? I'll tell you a funny story about expansion. I... I moved to Russia in 1993 as a missionary, and it was a real cultural change from the United States. Instead of pushing my cart through a grocery store and having five choices for everything, there was one line for bread. That was it. One line, one shop, all they had was bread. And then you'd go to the next line to get some kind of meat I don't know, we called it mystery meat, and everyone in the city was eating the same meat that day unless they ran out of it. And so I would stand in line for the bread, and sometimes right before I got to the counter, they would put out a sign in Russian that said, Nyet. Nyet means no. In other words, we don't have any more for today. And when I did get bread, it was only two kinds of bread. There's a whole assortment of bread in most countries, but in Russia it was two kinds of bread. Bulka, which is white bread, and chornichleb, which is this dark bread with, which has molasses and some other things in it, and it just wasn't tasty for me, if I could even get the bread. And so someone brought me a bread machine as a gift, a bread machine. And when I made bread for the first time, and I'm following the recipe with the flour and then the yeast, I had packets of dry yeast. And I opened the packet of dry yeast, and I poured it in, and it was just this little tiny amount, and I thought, this can't be the right amount. It must have broken open in the suitcase, and so this can't possibly work. So I opened another one, and the same thing. It was a tiny, just a couple of few grains of yeast. And I thought, this isn't... Somehow these must have leaked, so I put in another one and another one. And then I turned the machine on, and I went off to take a nap. And when I came back, there was no machine. The machine had been consumed by the dough, and the dough had now expanded on over the counter and onto the floor. It was a giant mass that looked like it was going to attack me. 
that little tiny amount of yeast grew to the point that it expanded to the point that it just consumed everything. This is a biblical principle that although small, when you expose these things to the rule of God, to the reign of God, there's automatically expansion. <laughs> automatically. And you know what? It works with everything. Now let me illustrate this point to you, okay? Because I see this everywhere I look in Scripture. From the time that the Lord showed me this, I saw it everywhere. When God created man and woman, he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. That was their mission. That was their purpose. That was why they were created. That's what God called them to. That was their destiny to take the dominion over the earth to subdue it and expand it. Be fruitful and multiply. That's the nature of the kingdom of God. God spoke to Abraham. Our brother mentioned Abraham. When God spoke to Abraham, he said this. He said, leave your family, leave your country, and I will make your family, what? Like the stars of heaven and the sands of the seashore. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Abram was one. But God said, if you will follow me, if you will submit your life to me, if you will leave behind your household, your family, everything you know, and you will go to a land that I will show you and submit yourself to me, the result will be the kingdom of God. I will make you into a great nation, and through that nation I will bless all the families of the earth. What's the principle? Expansion. Jesus said to his disciples, but I... When I be lifted up from the earth, what will happen? I will draw all men unto me. He also said, unless a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth, what? Much fruit. What's the principle? Expansion. Here's the challenge. You have to die. If I die, there will be expansion. If I fulfill my mission. Here's one I really love, and I want you to see it on the screen. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, and we quote this all the time in, in our movement of Jewish believers in Jesus to the Jewish community. Isaiah 9, chapter, uh, chapter 9, verse 6 says, unto us, a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Don't you love that verse? I love that. This is a declaration that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, but then I love the verse that follows. You don't, most people don't notice the verse that follows. Verse 7 says, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Here's what most translations say. Of the increase of his government, 
there shall be no end. My friends, what's the principle here? Expansion. Expansion of the increase of his government. There will be no end. Why? Because the kingdom of God is always expanding. The nature of the kingdom of God, just as a mustard seed planted in the ground or yeast worked into dough, is that it's always causing expansion. Jesus told his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the earth. Why? Because the nature of the kingdom of God, the principle of God's rule and reign, is there is always continual growth and expansion. Do you see it? The natural order, if something is left alone, is decay. It's decomposition. It's breakdown. And that's exactly, friends, what happens without God. When you have a society without God, the society decays. Just look around us at the world, not just this nation, but look around the, the world and you see that the nature of a community without God, of society without God, is decay, moral decay, right? But the nature of life, on the other hand, is growth and expansion. If something is living, if something is alive, it's growing and it's expanding. When God is ruling, when God is reigning, when God is present, when he's manifest, there's always life and there's always growth. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? Where the spirit of God is, there is liberty. Now, think about it this way. Salvation is the rule of God, the reign of God in our spirit. When we're born again, we are saved from the penalty of sin. Why? Because we invite the living God into our life and he takes rule, he takes residence he becomes manifest in our spirit so that our spirit now bears witness with his spirit that we are the children of God. Hallelujah. Being born again, salvation is God taking rule of our lives. One has said that we are saved, past tense, from the penalty of sin. When we accepted the Messiah, when you accepted Jesus into your life, you were saved in that moment from the penalty of sin. But it's also salvation in the present tense from the practice of sin or the power of sin in your life. So while you were saved maybe years ago, you have to be saved every day from the power of sin in your life, right? That's present tense, from the practice of sin. And we're also told that future tense, we will be saved from the presence of sin. Because the day will come when sin is eradicated when Jesus is ruling here physically on the earth. Amen for that. 
We're saved past tense, but we're being saved present tense, and we shall be saved future tense from the, from the reality or the presence of sin. Do you see that? I want you to look at it this way. When, when we receive healing, healing is the reign of God, the rule of God expanding into an area of our body that needs to be under the dominion of God. So we're saved, our spirit is saved, but we may have ailments, we may have sicknesses, we may have illnesses. When those areas of our body come under the manifest presence of God, the result is healing. I love it when people get healed because it is the manifestation of God's Spirit in their body. It's the expansion of God's reign into that cancer, into that diabetes, into that bad back, into that leg pain, into that tumor. The rule of God, the manifest presence of God is burning that tumor off breaking it off of our body. Hallelujah for his healing. And my friends, if you see this perspective that the kingdom of God is the rule of God, the manifestation of God's presence, and it's always expanding, you'll see it in every area. For example, remember the little boy that had two fish and five loaves? That's all he had. He had two fish and he had five loaves. Now, he could have fed his family with those two fish and five loaves. He could have been, he was fine. He had what he needed, right? He had what his family needed for a meal. But that's not what he did. No, he took the two fish and five loaves, all that he had, and he yielded it to the kingdom of God. He sowed it into the kingdom of God. He realized that something beyond himself was going on here as he saw Jesus. And he gave it, what he had, to Jesus. And when he did, it came under the rule of God. It came under the reign of God. It came under the manifest presence of God. And as a result of that, those two fish... And those five loaves became a buffet meal that fed 5,000 people with 12 baskets left over. And on top of that, Pastor Tom, it was a Jewish group that he was feeding, and they were all happy. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Wow. Jewish customers that are actually happy. That's, that's impressive. Usually a waiter in a Jewish restaurant asks the table, what was right? Was there anything right? Do you see what happened? He had enough for himself. But this isn't about us. This isn't about getting what we need. This is about submitting what we have to the rule and reign of God, submitting our very lives, and as a result, God expands it all. He takes someone with no education, a fisherman, 
that has no future but to fish for his family and a little meager income and turns him into a world changer. Are you getting it? A world changer because not, it's not about you, it's about him. Look at the story of, of Abraham and you see that when God called him, he says, I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will use you to bless every family on earth. Genesis 12 and the story of Abraham is about God, not about Abraham. And God working through him as he wants to work through you. Why? He submitted his life to the rule of God and produced increase. You know what? It works with finances. I don't understand how you can give 10%, the tithe, you yield that 10% or hopefully more as God expands your finances. You give it over to the rule of God, to the reign of God, to the kingdom of God, and somehow, and I don't know how it works, the 90% that you keep goes further than 100% if you didn't give the 10. I don't know how it works, but it works. And if you think that's good, try giving 20% or 30% or 90% because the more you give away, the more you have. You can't understand it with the natural mind, folks, because this is supernatural. This is supernatural, but it works because the kingdom of God, Jesus tells us, is always in a state of expansion. It works with our time. Well, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to serve the church. I don't have time to be a foster parent. But what happens when you make the time? What happens when I spend time in prayer? I seem to have more time for the rest of the day than I would have had if I didn't pray. And if I'll give that time to serve in my local body, if I'll give that time to the Lord in areas of service, the time that you have left will go much further and be more productive. Why? Because as you submit those, that time to God, he's expanding the rest. Come on. Come on, it works. It works with our talents. We have just so much talent. Who am I? Jeremiah asked. But when we submit our life to the rule of God, to the reign of God, he expands it. Did you know that Moses couldn't even talk? And look how God used him. As I said, the disciples were just fishermen, but look how God used them. Because they submitted their lives to the rule of God. And you know there's something else that I need to mention in this parable. The mustard seed, the yeast, they're tiny. They're so small. And when you plant, when you plant that seed in the ground, look what it produces. It shelters other people. The yeast causes the dough to rise and expand and feed more. They're both small. The second point of the parable is they're just tiny. You may ask, who am I today? What do I have to offer? I don't have the finances to support this church. I don't have the finances to sow into this or that. I don't have the time. I don't have the talent. I don't have. But guess what? He has it. 
And if you'll invest the little you have, even if it's just the widow's might, he will expand. He'll expand your time. He'll, he'll expand your finances. He'll expand your gifting. And he will turn you into a world changer. Hallelujah for the kingdom of God. I want to submit my life in greater and greater dimension to the things of God, to the rule of God. It starts out small, but the more you give, the more you invest, the more you sow, the greater and greater it will grow because the eternal principle of the kingdom of God is it's always expanding. Jesus said, upon this rock, the revelation of Jesus, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. It's talking about expansion. He was saying, kick the gates down. Don't be defensive, be offensive. Kick the gates down and the powers of hell won't prevail as you move forward. As you grow, as you, as you step out in faith, this is offensive and it is time to believe God for greater and greater things than ever before. I want you to take a new step today to, towards God. I want you to grab a hold of the fact that he's taken hold of you for something much bigger than yourselves. Much bigger. This isn't about you. This is about the kingdom of God that he is destined to grow and expand. Hallelujah. I want to be part of that. Do you? Will you stand with me? Will you just stand with me? And just raise your hand up before God in faith. He wants to do something bigger in your life. He wants you to yield your finances to the rule of God and he'll expand your finances. He wants you to submit your time to the rule of God and he'll make you more productive and fruitful than you've ever been before. He wants you to submit your will. He wants you to submit your ambitions. He wants you to submit your very life to his rule and watch what happens. He's calling you today. He's challenging you today. Are you ready to give him more, to trust him more? To believe that if you submit your two fish and your five loaves to him, that he'll expand it to feed a multitude. That's what he's called you to. A divine purpose that's bigger than yourself. Lord, I pray for your people here in Celebration Church that they would grab hold of this truth. That you would turn them into world changers as they submit themselves to you. Lord, you're the author and the finisher of their faith. And I pray that they would break through to a new level of faith. Lord, I speak expansion into their lives. Would you just receive that? Say, I receive your expansion. I receive your expansion. I want you to rule in my life. I want you to reign in my life. Give him your finances. Give him your talents. Give him your time. Give him your will and allow him to do something much bigger than you can see. 
I call that which is not as though it were in your life right now. And I speak the release of finances in the name of Jesus. I speak the release of gifting and talents and the gifts of the Spirit over you right now and say expand and multiply. Expand and multiply. Expand and multiply in Jesus' name. Lord, manifest your presence in our lives. Manifest your presence in the word that we proclaim to those around us. Manifest your presence in our giving, the giving of our finances in time and talents. Expand, expand, expand. I speak to this church and I say expand in the name of Jesus. I say influence be expanded in this nation, in this continent, around the world. Pastor Tom, I say increase in the name of Jesus. Increase, 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 increase. As God is manifest through your ministry, through the ministry of your staff, through your leadership team, in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. For the Spirit of God would begin to move upon your ministry, and even as you have sown seed in the nations of the earth, I will cause a great harvest to come. Not only will it be the Jewish people, but you will also be a voice into the Gentile nations. Gentile people will come because I am in a season of multiplication. Even if you've spoken, even as you have declared this day, I will cause Jewish voice ministries to be raised up. It'll become a standard bearer for my word in not only the land of Israel, but throughout the nations of the world. Of the, of the world. I will give you a harvest in every nation of the world. I will place my, uh, my, my word in your mouth and in the mouth of your disciples and in every nation of the world I shall cause Jewish voice to be heard. I will cause my people from every tribe, every kindred, and every nation to hear my good news. Yes, I gave you the call. I've given you the word. But I'm about to multiply that word. I'm about to multiply what I'm about to do in your life. Step forth Continue on the core mission that I've given you, but neglect not the abundant harvest, for the fields are white under harvest, and I will even cause your voice to spill out on every side. And there will be, as in the days of Ruth, and, 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 and that, 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 that Ruth will be touched by the Boazes, leave the corners of the field for those, the foreigner, leave the corners of the field for the poor, for those that are poor of spirit. I promise you, there's abundance and there's abundance for everyone, says the Lord of hosts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.